You should just be hitting record the moment we start talking, every time. If that's what your wings are desiring, while you're in Paris, Texas, viming oh. your vendors. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I can't, this is actually putting me to sleep. This is unbelievable. How, how does this at home, we are sharing ASMR videos about how... relaxing and falling asleep. How is that a thing? That made me so tired so fast. I've been tired all day. I'm hungover, but uh, that like really just made me want to fall asleep. But yeah, it, again, that's why I listen to it. You do have to be the type of weirdo that enjoys uh, someone whispering in your ear. But there, like, there are ones. <laughs> there was one I saw. It was like, I I send it just to like a a friend because apparently they hate it, and it was uh, ASMR like washing the dishes and that was very uncomfortable <laughs> that yeah no not for because me. there was someone in our office who who like it was dead quiet in the office and all we could do was hear their fork clanging against their plate as they're like loudly eating their lunch and it was like this is like a really bad asmr i thought asmr was just when people like chew in the microphone which i have no interest in ever hearing that is that is it that is part of it yeah do you, my do you, friends really like that. I tried it once when I was trying to fall asleep in college and I just like couldn't do it. I don't even that, know if I, I don't even know if I could. I don't like, even like it if like my dad's chewing around me. So like how the hell would I like it if someone on YouTube was doing it? But yeah, let me, okay. Pickle eating ASMR? Oh God. That sounds <laughs> I'm about to, I'm about to hear it. I got to just know what this sounds like. Oh man, two. You know what I don't like about YouTube? YouTube just, if you don't click skip ad in time, they just give you another ad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they changed their formula to be two ads at, at a time. It's so strange when people whisper. I don't enjoy this. Also, she's using the same mic as me in this video. Hey, that's how you know I have a good mic. Yeah, but. How do I make ASMR videos? Why would people not want to be seen? Okay. Get to the pickle eating part because that's why I'm here. Oh my God. She opens the jar and everything. She's scratching the lid uh, of the jar right now. How's the pop of the jar? How that sound? She hasn't done it yet. She's just scratching the jar. Ooh, whoa, she is called that. ASMR. <laughs> she's called ASMR the chew if you're interested. And she has 800 subscribers. The chew? <laughs> I'm going to sign into your Google account and subscribe you and hope you only get this on your YouTube. Oh, I'd subscribe to plenty more channels, so probably not. Oh. All right. I got to be honest, though. What she's doing to this pickle jar right now, it's getting me. Why she's tickling <laughs> that pickle? She's, tick mm -hmm. she's, she's literally tickling the pickle jar. She's just scratching the sides of the pickle jar. Hey, yo. But how do they do this with this mic is my question. Like, how do I make this? Oh, I think they have the pop filters on it, like the. No, so, I'm, no. I'm, I'm watching her. She has no pop filter on it. No cover. Nothing. Oh. They, Interesting. And the gain is not turned up louder than mine. Hmm. Well, I know, Talk, like a lot here. of people use the ones with like the filters on it, and they like brush against directly on it. Yeah. Here, I'll let you take a look at this really quick, so I don't have to look alone. She's taking her time chewing on one of these pickles. Cut Me? into Ow. 
cut Ooh, into she got the good pickles too. Cut into a minute fifty-two. A minute fifty-two is where I'm at right now. Oh, she's moving the camera so you can see the pickles. Okay, here we go. About to eat that pickle, and then we can get into business. Oh, she's gonna use a fork. She's gonna use a fork. She's a veteran. She's a veteran. Like a veteran pickle eater with oh. the, using the fork being all hashtag, high class. Hashtag support the scoops. <laughs> Still probably one of my best puns ever. Okay. Bro, is this what this podcast can become? Just us reviewing. What if we did ASMR reviewing ASMR That's videos? What I'm saying. Oh, yeah. No, I don't like that. I've never said pickles smelled so good. <laughs> I, she's also chewing with her mouth open. I don't like this. Oh, no, I got to turn this off because I'm also watching it. So I see her like I can look right up her nose while she's chewing. Think she's going to drink the brine after Dom does that. It's good, <laughs> for your, it's good for your skin, apparently. OK, I don't know where you're at, but I'm done with this. No, she took the first bite and I, I had to stop. Oh, I've been, oh I, kept, I kept going. She's got another one eating a, a candy apple. That's got to be horrendous. Oh, let's hear it. Come on. Send that oh. over. <laughs> Send it over really quick. We'll get to Vim in a second. Maybe this is how Vim writes. He listens to ASMR to calm his nerves, and then he starts writing. Going off what we were talking about last week, I mean, it's possible. He seems like he's still in the modern world. Maybe he's a huge ASMR fan. Did yeah. you send me this video? Yeah. Oh my God. Just the picture, dude. Yeah, I don't. Skip to uh, two and a half minutes. I'm busy with the ads right now. Oh, she's looking at. Oh, I don't want to hear that. She's she's licking it. Why don't she chomp the shit out of it? (laughs) She doesn't. How many licks does it take? How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop candy apple? (laughs) Center of a candy apple. I had never liked candy apples. I never understood oh the craze. God. Yeah, they're too sticky. Yeah, they're not really oh for God. me. She's got extra reverb on this licking and shit. Oh, this ain't right. I think this is what happens in hell. <laughs> oh my God, the reverb is crazy. Yeah. Dude, it sounds like, like water dripping out of the shower when you don't turn it off properly. <laughs> That's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> Holy oh shit! Just got a what, bite you, at fifteen thirty. She takes. Right. A, she took a bite. Fifteen thirty. I just here. skipped around until I heard the chomp of the century. It's a green apple. It's red. Take a bite so I can hear. Oh my god, dude! What am I doing? <laughs> I skipped to 15 minutes. I had I have the 30 seconds of this lick until I can hear the chomp. Good lord. Take the bite. Take the bite. Take the bite. Bite it. Do it. Dude, I've never 30 seconds never took so long. <laughs> this is on I can't. I can't. I can't. This Dude, is on. It took I was waiting eight seconds. I thought it was taking forever. Come on, take the bite. Whoa. <laughs> this the yeah, I'm turning that right off. It's I will like a check. mic drop. 
Oh my god, there's another I'm not watching this. There's another it? one that says loud intense chewing gum ASMR. No, I no, don't think I don't you. need to see that. I, candy apple was as far as I go down that path. I'm okay. I'm turning back. It's a dead end. Agreed. Oh god. Okay. What were Oof. we supposed to talk about today? We were gonna continue to talk about Vin Vendors. And something about chewing and an yeah. art form. Chewing's an art form and Vin Vendors has invented it. <laughs> Uh, so what is it? Where do we start? I guess an update from the last time we talked about them is we both decided to watch Paris, Texas, as well as, um, Wings of Desire. So kind of going down a little Vim Vendor's wormhole or not rabbit hole, not wormhole, just kind of was really impressed with Wings of Desire. I had to see another piece of his work, but you really liked, you really liked Paris, Texas, huh? Yeah. I am confident in saying that after watching it, I think it's a top film of all time for me. I was just really impressed by it. I, I I knew I'd like it, just like with Wings of Desire. I knew I'd like it. <laughs> what the fuck? Sorry, I thought we were still on the ASMR thing. Hold on, sorry. See, this is why you can't do it, because I couldn't hear a goddamn thing you were doing over there. Really? You didn't hear any of that? No. All right, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> go go again. Probably because I muted you. Um, there, there we go. <laughs> was good wasn't it now i'm going to take another sip that was delicious and gargle (laughs) was that gregorian (laughs) chant yeah (laughs) sorry sorry listeners anyways continue anyway um but yeah i was just really blown away by it usually like films like have films that i know are like heavily revered I always think like, yeah, I'll like it for the most part, but like, it's kind of about it. But yeah, I was hooked kind of from the start when this, with this one, again, beautiful cinematography, but like the use of color in particular in this one from a primarily color movie, I it was just really captivating, especially for like a 1984 film. And I just thought the story was like super interesting and it just like kept me hooked and like wanting to know more and more about Travis is like mysterious, like life in this four-year gap. I would agree. I do think it was a little long, but you said that you didn't have that. You didn't have that feeling. Like I kind of zoned out a little bit, and I did watch it in three parts. So, yeah, I, I did not once, which normally I would, because with these types of films, there's always a, like a lull in the story for me. But I really didn't feel that way. Well, what was your some of your favorite aspects past the in the story itself that kept you captivated? Um, it just, uh, I think it just had the a really good pacing with slowly revealing new things about about Travis, about his family, about what happened to him, and about his ex wife Jane. And just like kind of how that comes into play and how he also like slowly comes back to reality and tries to like, you know, try to be a father again now that he's reunited with Hunter. And it's just, yeah, it was just really interesting character development that like didn't need a lot of explanation. Like he just starts talking and you just kind of roll with it. Where was he for those four years? I don't think I ever really understood where he went. Yeah, I guess he was just out in the desert somewhere mexico he said 
but I don't really, I didn't understand why he was gone for four years or what he was doing for those four years. Uh, that get revealed in the end that he, he left because things were so bad between him and Jane. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he woke up to being like lit on fire and he like, surprisingly he not a lot of scars for a man lit on fire. He had four years to recover. I mean, Deadpool never did recover, did he? That was before he became a superhero. That's true. But yeah, so he just like, he left. Like that was his breaking point and he just left and like never looked back. So like if he didn't like pass out like in the beginning of the movie, he'd probably still be out there in Mexico. Got being it. mute. Got it, got it, got it. I think my, yeah. I really enjoyed the the cinematography like I did in Wings of Desire, to be honest with you. I thought it was beautiful. I texted you as soon as I started it. The opening shots were just gorgeous. Yeah, seriously. And I, and I enjoyed the, you know, steely, like, guitar, like, you know. The desert guitar. Desert guitar, yeah, a little with the with a slider, just like, bow, 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 like that. Yeah, that was awesome. Bow, wow, wow, wow. So the shots and everything were great. Um, Harry Dean Stanton, I don't know. He he weirds me out a little bit is the only thing. I mean, he, he looks like a decrepit old man and everything yeah. that he's in. Yeah, he weirds me out slightly. Ever since Alien, he's always kind of weirded me out. That's fair. Um, but I have to say that my favorite element of this story was Hunter. Thought Hunter, I love precocious kids. Like mm-hmm. even even though a bunch of people didn't, I guess, like it in the Obi-Wan show, like I thought one of my favorite parts of it was probably like Leia. Like precocious children are so enjoyable for me. Like when people don't treat kids like kids and instead treat them like adults. And Hunter's just like so smart and really into space and aerodynamics and like just really such he just seems like a little kid you'd want to babysit you know yeah so the embrace between him and jane at the end was really really sweet and totally worth it you know yeah absolutely but i was i wasn't really sure like okay so travis gets lit on fire and they leave him right that's why he he was one i thought he left no i'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that they he he woke up and they weren't there. Remember? Isn't that what he says? Oh. Maybe you're right. I thought super <clears throat> big spoilers here, people, but you've had 38 years to see this movie. Yeah, so I'm like, come on. If we could watch it, you could watch it. Yeah. Um, no, I thought that it was that Jane and Hunter were gone. And then he like woke up on fire and he says, like, the two people I love the most in the world weren't that weren't there. And then he's wandering in the desert and i guess my question is why is he the reason they're split up then because the whole purpose of the movie is like he's going to put unite them again and make them happy and be together but it's not like he dragged them to be separated right it's more but like i think that that is why i think you're mistaken and he he is the one who left because the whole time their whole dynamic that he says is that he was so engulfed and like jealousy and and rage with her um and like just the way that their whole their whole life was turning out and he just like couldn't he couldn't take feeling that way anymore and like just how bad like their relationship got so he literally just left yeah but the reason that he the reason that he 
reunites Jane and Hunter is, you know, because he's like, I'm the ones that drove you apart. But how is that true? Didn't Jane drop off Hunter with his family? Yeah. And I think if he didn't leave, that wouldn't have happened because then, she didn't she didn't want to raise him at first. Like she she couldn't do it. I like didn't have an interest in doing it because she felt forced into it. Hmm. I don't know. I didn't I didn't read it that way. Maybe I'm completely wrong. I'm looking it up now, actually. Or maybe she did run away. I don't know. But I thought that she dropped Hunter off because she didn't feel like she could that she didn't feel like she could raise him, like that she wasn't um, capable of doing it. And right. him just dropping off Hunter again with his mom doesn't change that. You know, and he's also not the reason that she dropped him off with the aunt and uncle in the first place. So it was uh, that confused me a little bit. Mm. But let me check. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of backstory that maybe I have to watch it again because that part kind of confused me a little bit. What do you think the implicate the the significances of Paris, Texas, with the lot that he bought? Like, you mean like why did like why did he keep choosing why he chose to buy a lot in Paris, Texas? You yeah, said, I know why I know why he chose it, but what's the significance? Why why is that part of the story? Why is it called Paris, Texas? They never even go. I uh, yeah, I guess he he always wanted to go and he wanted and part of his big family plans was to use that lot and turn it into a home for him, Hunter and Jane. Hmm. And that never happened. And he wanted to do it again, but then I guess he Realized that that was never going to happen. Do you think that he went to Houston understanding already that he didn't want to, uh, that, that he couldn't be with Jane? Or do you think that the first time he sees Jane in Houston, like in the peep show, then he realizes I can't be with you. Yeah. I think it was then. Cause he definitely wanted to go see her and reunite with her. But yeah, I think you're right. Like when he first, when he saw her again, he I don't know if it's either because of what she's doing with her life or like where she's at with her life that he couldn't do it. Or it's because seeing her again brought back all the old like feelings and um, just like the pain that he went through when he was with her that he realized that it just wasn't it couldn't happen again. That's interesting. That actually makes me like the story a lot more. So like basically. This guy walks through the desert, assumingly just kind of aimlessly wandering and lost, looking for his wife or girlfriend. And then his brother finds him. He reunites with his son, continues his search for his wife. And then when he sees his wife again, realizes then and there, this is why we can't be together. Yeah. I mean, you know, four years alone in the desert being mute can make you and he also like started he kind of forgot his life so like he kind of like i feel like it was like a like a traumatic um like amnesia caused by like trauma where uh -huh. he like kind of blacked out his past and started to build the pieces together once he got back to uh his brother and his son 
and started to like remember things and like realize like the life that he like walked out on and wanted to get it back. And then, like we just said, he sees her again and then it all kind of comes flooding in. That's interesting read. Okay. That makes me enjoy it a bit more because otherwise I was really confused, you know, not sure. Like if he was, yeah, I don't know. My question would have just been the same. He's not the reason that they separated. So then just reuniting them, you know, and saying, I'm the one that drove you apart. Doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Like what's Mm. what, what changed in their situations to now make it acceptable for Jane to take care of Hunter. She doesn't have a different job that he didn't give them any specific money, like nothing in their situations. I'm being very hypercritical about this film right now, just because I I still think that I liked Wings of Desire more, but nothing changed for Jane or Hunter to make me believe that, you know, the same problem wouldn't arise, that she can now take care of Hunter. If anything, the only thing that kind of changed is she got closure. But if that was the only thing stopping her from being able to take care of Hunter, I don't know. Do we think that's a strong enough reason not to take care of Hunter? She didn't have closure. It's Um, possible. He seems really abusive. That was the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that could be the case. Also, sometimes I always think about like in moments like that where there's um, like uh, you remove yourself so far from like a situation you had a responsibility that you had and you don't and you get used to the life that you put for yourself and you know four years later does her reuniting with hunter give her kind of a um like an epiphany that you know what i shouldn't have left them like i i i should i should have always been his mother and continued to do that yeah that's probably true as well you know enough time away makes you realize what like you just said makes you realize what you missed yeah because she wouldn't have even even if he wasn't even though he said he wasn't going to be there like she didn't have to go to the hotel room she didn't want to be his mom again and didn't want to see him again she could have just not gone to that hotel room yeah no i i never believed that she didn't want to be his mom i just believed that like she wasn't able to take care of him that was her reasoning right so i'm just questioning what changed that now she's able to take care of him that's my only question but to your point maybe she's just be you know maybe she's just doing what she wants rather than what's good you know in some sense same Mm -hmm. with same with travis taking his kid on the road that's probably more what he wanted than him actually doing the right thing for Hunter. You could kind of argue that the right thing for Hunter would be staying with his aunt and uncle in a stable environment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. During that whole trip and like, you know, where they were staying and like really just what they were up to. And the fact that this is like Travis back from, you know, back in society for the first time in four years. And like, it's been what, like a, like a week or a month or something like that. Like I wouldn't consider him equipped to try and look after his, his young son. No. You know what I was thinking about the whole time watching this movie though? What? All their cars are, have special colors. Like red or blue and stand out. It's a little <laughs> it's insight. Like, 
almost <laughs> like you could see them on the camera no matter what they were doing. Yeah. Sorry, uh, listeners, it's just a little inside joke for Brian and I. But no, yeah, I just can't, I couldn't stop noticing it. So they're, to, I know, their, me too. to those guys' point, yeah, it's true. You kind of need a special colored car. Like that truck he drives is really cool. Mm-hmm. The car that uh, Jane has was really, you, you could tell it was her car, easy yep. to find. So there's a, there's a good point there. There really is. Yeah, I, I do think color played a really interesting part in this. I don't know the significance besides it looking nice, but red and green, I think, played a big part in, in like the lighting. Well, what do you think the significance is if you had to choose? Like, what do you think it represents the color? I can't say I really know. I don't think I could put I could put it together. It's just something I picked up, um, but because like they had that there was that light in the backyard of uh, Wall and Ann's house, and there's one scene where Travis is sitting in in middle of the night, just kind of staring out in their backyard, and Ann joins him and talks to him about uh, Jane, and the light is red um, on them. And then later, after well, I think he, that I think that signifies maybe a foreshadowing of the brothel, possibly. True, it could. Um, but then what I was going to say, then the next time I noticed it is when Walt's in the backyard smoking a cigarette after Travis leaves with a Hunter. The light's green. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe it's just traffic traffic lights. He I stopped. Bet you stopped at Walt's house and I left. No. <laughs> um, I guarantee you we could find an essay written on Paris, Texas and the significance sure of color. Could, I'm sure you can find like 8 million that were published in college. Yeah. Significance of color. I'm Googling it now. Yeah. It's one of the things you can immediately Google what color means in Paris, Texas. There's a literal video about it. Four and a half minutes. We're, Why? Not, we're not watching that. No, no, no. I might watch it afterwards because I'm curious. Who's it by? Who did the YouTube video? Vim Vendors. Van Supple. No, Vaughan. 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 Vaughan Supple. VHS, they call themselves. Supple. Interesting. I totally think we should watch this. Everybody else should watch this too. Maybe get a little bit more insight on what the color means in the story. Yeah, I'd like to know. I think. But yeah, just something I picked up on. I don't know about you. Sending it to you in our chat. Like a real office. That's a cool thing to pick up on. I didn't really notice that. I did zone in and out of this movie, unfortunately. But I think part of that had to do with like, it took me a while to nail down the genre. I was very like, confused as to which angles the stories were going to go in was it like a romance drama was it a thriller sort of mystery you know turns out it was just an art house film like just drama i guess you would call it but oh like wings of desire yeah but wings of desire i could digest a lot quicker The, the story was much more contained here's an angel he wants to sleep with a person like he want he has like he wants he has desires to be human and he wants to have a relationship with this woman. So like you could break down, you could take all the themes and all the poetry out of that movie and still just be stuck with a very simple story. And this one, 
was a little bit harder for me to pinpoint quicker. I didn't really know what was going on for a large part of it. Like here's a weird dude walking in the desert for four years. Um, His son lives with his brother in California and, you know, he's been gone because for some reason that gets revealed at the end. So it's, you have to kind of sit through two and a half hours to finally figure out what happened. You know? Yeah. But that's, but again, like what I said, it's why I liked it because I think it was the way that you kind of learn more about the characters and the, and their history. It's not just, it's not like it's just a giant dump of information in like one, in one moment, it just, you get more and more and more. And then the big reveals at the end when he finally reunites with Jane. But I, yeah, I thought it did enough to keep me invested in what was going on. Yeah. And I can't I think... say that with a lot of films in this style. And that's why I really gravitated towards this one because I, I thought, I thought this was going to be tough to get through and it really wasn't. It was, it, I'm not going to lie. It was actually kind of tough for me to get through, but that might also be because I had people tell me how good it was. Like Simon says, it's fantastic. You said it's one of your favorites. Um, however, I, I think I kind of disagree with you. I think you are kind of prone to films like this. Cause didn't you really like, this reminded me a lot of Florida project mm-hmm. and you like Florida project a yeah, lot. A lot. So, so this reminded me a lot of that, not necessarily the story, but the colors as a theme, the pacing of the film, the blended mixture of what seems like real uh, people and like actors like coexisting and in a film that's almost got very little effort, but I mean that in the best possible way. Like it feels very naturally made instead of being completely fabricated, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, and I think you you kind of gravitate to movies like that. You do like movies like that. Yeah, but there's also, I think the ones that do it and do it very well stick out to me, but there's a lot that I've seen that I just feel like didn't do it or captivate me in the same way. And therefore it's like, there's more that I don't care for, like thought they were okay, than the ones that I like truly think were special. Yeah. That's... Okay, fair enough. Which ones would you say are ones that you have seen that did not do it for you? Hmm. Well. Now, well, now I'm trying to think of well, what constitutes a film like that, because there's a lot of like, there's like a lot of like older films that I feel like have that same sort of tone to them. And I just always thought they were just fine. Um. But what that is, I can't think off the top of my head. I'm never good at coming up with a list of things when someone asks me on the spot. In this style, you mean, right? I think yeah. a couple of movies that I would say were like this was definitely Florida Project for me, reminded me a lot of this. Um, sort of the ease and family um, aspects of it, like the like everything to do with the family and family relations and mending old wounds that reminded me a lot of manchester by the sea which Mm. i i love that movie that could also be it for me you know like just similarly to what you're saying is like you've seen a lot of movies like this that didn't do it for you it could be that i've seen a lot of movies like this that did do it for me and this one just falls in the category of like ah not really didn't really do it for me i just didn't i didn't connect with any of the characters that strongly Mm. 
Um, it could also be, it could, it could be as simple as Harry Dean. What's his name? Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah. He has always freaked me out since I saw him in not alien, not just alien. I now know it's seven psychopaths. Since I've seen him in there, he, his face has always just kind of creeped me out. Like I, I have a hard time. Yeah, I, you know how you know how there's certain actors like that where you're just like I don't know, dude. There's something about that person I just can't really get into it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Oh, His, okay, I, I I've remembered a couple films that are I think are in this category that like I thought were fine but didn't. Well, I wasn't wowed by them. All right, which one? You, you can finish your point though. No, no, my point's just being like I think like no disrespect to Harry Dean, Dean Stanton, he's great. No, no, he's a great actor. Watch your tongue, boy. I think his speech at the end, like his monologue is fantastic. I really enjoyed that part. Um, I think he was great in Alien. I really enjoyed that movie. But he just did such a good job in Seven Psychopaths, burning a sort of like, like, I don't know, vibe in me, like a stalker. I don't know. That might be one of my phobias. Like, it's just not (laughs) like someone following you, like, you know, not doing anything, just following you forever. And he does that so well in Seven Psychopaths that it really gets under my skin. Like that is a great story that well, Mark yeah. McDonough wrote. It's so creepy. Well, going off that then, yeah. A very quiet, mysterious Harry Dean Stan who is just kind of slowly meandering about is probably not going to do you any good. No, that might be part of what it was. Um, I did think certain elements of it were really beautiful, like the LA scenes, like how they're like filming the airplanes taking off and stuff. I kind of enjoyed the aerial shots in the beginning of the movie are gorgeous. The shots going in from the road were really nice with uh mm-hmm. with Hunter oh, yeah. and the yeah, a lot of the shots. Cinematography was on point, minimalistic cinematography by Robbie Muller, a Dutch cinematographer. Are you related so, to him? I'm not related to him, but I mean He's a great cinematographer. He's done a bunch of, let's look up some of his other accolades. Um, he's very famous. He's There's like a lot of essays and shit written about him. Famous for the natural light and minimalistic, minimalist imagery. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think yeah, you can really see that here. So what did he do? He did this one. He did Kings of the Road, which is the Vin Vendors movie with like, I think mm-hmm. almost no script. He did uh, Dead Man, which with Johnny Depp. I don't think um, I know that one. That's it's such a weird movie, dude. It's by Jim Jarmusch. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Robbie Mueller and Jim Our Jarmusch. Our favorite. <laughs> oh yeah, should we do another episode of Jim Jarmusch? There actually, there is a movie by him. I have no idea what it's about, but the cast has me interested. Maybe you've seen it, Down by Law. Down by Law is also Robbie Mueller. Oh yeah. Yeah, Tom Waits, Roberto Benigni, and John Lurie. Oh, I'd be down to watch that. Maybe we do that. Oh, and Ellie uh, and Ellen Barkin. Damn, dude. Yeah, just it just seems I like the cast, so I'm interested. I mean, I really like John Lurie. He was in Paris, Texas. He plays the guy running the uh, the sex shop or the where Jane worked. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What what else has he been in? He's not in much, um, but what I really like about him is this old show that he did called Fishing with John from the 90s. He, yeah, yeah, you've mentioned this show. Yeah. He no, he did goes, painting, painting with John and Fishing with John. 
Yeah, painting with John's new. That's like from last year. Oh no way! But yeah, he goes in nineteen. It's like a nineteen ninety one, like just mini series, and he goes fishing with Dennis Hopper, Tom Waits, Matt Dillon, Willem Dafoe, and Jim Jarmusch in each episode. And it's That's just them of... fishing and t- it's it's funny. But where it's is it? Just like a chill where show. Where can I where can I watch it? Uh, YouTube. Oh really? I should watch that. Yeah, I think I think you get a kick out of it. Dude, we have too many next episodes planned, don't we? Like we have the the band one. We got the you know Dom's episode. We got like the Netflix show we want to do. But I'd be really down to do a Down by Law episode if you want to pick that at some point as your film because that looks pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll lock that in as my next one. Whenever a little, whenever we get around to it, next week, week after maybe. But um, whenever this drops, <laughs> but. I am a little hesitant because it's fucking Jim Jarmusch and Jim, Jar- Jim Jarmusch in general is not really my my cup of tea from what I remember. Well, same. I think I think the only thing I've still seen by him is um, what 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 was the one that we watched? The Limits of Power. Limits of Control. Limits of Control, and that movie was just duty. Um, there's another one that he did that was okay with. Adam Driver. Oh, that's Patterson, right? Patterson. That's okay. Not yeah, too terrible. I've, I've seen nothing else by him. And Dead Man is also kind of weird. Buena Vista Social Club, the documentary is shot by Robbie Mueller. That'd also be kind of cool to do. What's that about? Um, I just really love the music from it. That's all I really know. But it's um, oh, it's a Vim Vendors film. Interesting. Ah, bam! It's about the music of Cuba. Oh, that's interesting, dude. Should we just do Vim Vendors Part Three next week and watch <laughs> the Buena Vista Social Club? I'm putting this on my list right now. Actually, that's definitely going on my list. All right, let me let me add that to the list here. Okay. What is um? I spelled it very wrong. Buena Vista Social Club. Yeah. What is by the way, um, listeners, I don't know if we talked about it, but Brian and I use to do movies. So and Dilettante is on there. So if you've seen it, add it to your download the app and add it to your watch list. Absolutely. All right. So what's on your list right now, Brian? How many movies do you normally have on your list? Try to keep it under 50. Under 50. Yeah, I'm yeah. nowhere near, I'm nowhere near 50. Like like my watch like ones I want to watch. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, no. The one, the ones that I have watched, I do. I have not started to retroactively add movies that I've seen. So, like, if I've I've seen like Gladiator, like a month ago, I rewatched it. That's when I add it. I don't add it earlier. So, my movies that I've watched are definitely nowhere near the amount of movies I've watched in my life. You know. So, what I mean? what's your total? Let's see. My total watched films since downloading the app, and I have not logged them all. I forget a lot. Is one hundred and sixty three. And 1,532. But did you add ones that you'd already watched? Yeah. Yeah. Like if I did that, dude, I'd be like in the thousands. Like, yeah, I spent a week doing it. I would just like think about things that I watched and just look yeah. them up. I, I can almost guarantee you that I've seen in my lifetime over three 3,000 movies. I would believe that. If not more. I mean, I did movies, a, I did a movie a day, sometimes two movies a day for years. Yeah. So, I'm just, the, there are ones that I've forgotten about that I'll still 100%. add. 
want to know the the last one that i forgot that i watched that i added i added which, this like a month ago which one larry the cable guy health inspector <laughs> see yeah i haven't added any of that shit the last ones, movie the last ones that i watched although sometimes i add movies as well that i barely watch like black phone the one with uh, uh that the new one it, yeah Ethan Hawk. Yeah, I pretty much slept through half of it, and I was like, oh, I'll just add this anyways, because it wasn't that great. Nah, I'm not going to watch Hey, honestly, if you're not going to, if you don't plan on watching it again, just add it, because you've done all you could. Yeah. That's I my watched, philosophy. I watched Black I had Rain. Quantum of Solace as watched, and I fell asleep at the exact point, the two t- the exact same point, the two times I tried to watch it. <laughs> oh, you restart movies when you... Uh, no, you restart- but it was more like, actually... Let me rephrase. So I, the first time I saw Quantum of Solace was in the theater with two of my friends. And then one of my friends and I left to go get like popcorn halfway through. And we saw that Role Models was playing and I was rated R. We were in high school. So we were like, oh, dude, let's sneak in and watch Role Models. So we did that, left my friend behind by accident. Sorry, Mike. And he texted us saying like, the movie's out. Where are you guys? And so we met him up and we're like, oh, we got distracted. So then... Like when it came out on DVD, my dad got the DVD and my parents and I were watching it and I was so tired. I fell asleep at literally the exact same scene that I walked out in the that's theater. So fu- that's so funny. Um, and I haven't watched since. So did you add it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going back to that. So I, um, the last movies that I put in here were Black Phone. Then I finally watched Black Rain. So I was on a, I was on a, 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 a black a t- kick. A black, yeah, a titular black kick, uh, I would guess I would call it. No, Black Rain, I don't know why I want to watch it so bad. I think it's because a colleague of mine told me that Michael Douglas's motorcycle in there always reminded them of my Uncle TJ's motorcycle, and I was like, I got to see it. The motorcycle barely played a role in the film, so that was unfortunate. The but jaws the, of motorcycle films. But um, it's Michael Douglas, um, Andy Garcia, Directed by Ridley Scott, scored hmm. by Hans Zimmer. Okay. And cinematography from Jan de Bont. All right. Jan de Bont's a Dutch uh, cinematographer who did Die Hard. And Speed. And Speed, yeah. And I was like, damn, dude, I got to see this movie. And even the fucking the log line for it is sick. Like the movie, are you looking it up right now? Yeah. Dude, it's. It's literally two New York City cops arrest a Yakuza member and must escort him uh, when he's extradited to Japan. So it's like Andy Garcia and Michael Douglas in Japan fucking shit up. Ah, that does sound cool. It was really, it was okay. I mean, like it was an 80, it was such an 80s movie, but definitely worth watching. Then I watched Blowout, finally. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. The Travolta, John Travolta movie. Yeah. I got to say, I wasn't that impressed, but noir films are never really my cup of tea. Like, like noir films are okay. Like the, the the tropes are, the tropes are just too like there for me. Like the femme fatale, the smoking a cigarette and looking overly sweaty for no reason, like, and like just sweating. But I got to say, does that mean you didn't like the always sunny noir episode? It's funny because it's a, it's satire, right? Mm hmm. Um, but, it's i have to say that you should watch blowout because the ending like the movie itself like if if a noir film is done well then it's definitely one of those films that like the ending pays off similarly to paris texas like when you find out what goes on 
it makes the whole film more worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I definitely have to say, like at some point in Paris, Texas, I was like, all right, dude, like, all right, I get it. You're trying to find your wife, trying to reunite. I like the shots, but the story's a little slow for me. But then when he describes the whole, this is what happened. That's like the, you know, then you've, you've made it. You feel like you've accomplished something. And that's like a good noir movie. It kind of ties it back full circle. So if yeah. I were you, Blowout, definitely watch. Then I saw Nope. And then you said Nope. Yeah, that was not really for me. Didn't like it too much. And then Paris, Texas. Um, how many are on your list right now to watch? 48. 48, holy shit. Yeah. It's just moved. It's so, I mean, I don't, I can't get around to watching everything that I want to watch. So if this, this list is old. Like it's stuff that's been on here for like at least a year and a half. Isn't it really sad that like I add things to my list and then when I'm like deciding what I want to watch, I go to the list and I'm like, I don't want to watch any of this right now. Yep. That's Isn't exactly that, what happens to me. Why is that? That's so, why would you add it to your list if you don't want to watch it? You know, it's because like the stuff that's on here, at least for me, a lot of times it's like, these are movies I definitely want to watch, but I'm not itching to anytime soon, but I don't want to forget about them. I agree. I feel like a lot of these movies are not movies that I want to watch because movies are entertaining and like i want to watch like something that's eye candy right or like mm -hmm. even a mixture of that like nope is a big film who from a guy i know i want to watch because like i like jordan peele a lot but it's also artistic like a nice hybrid model but a lot of things on my list are actually really artsy shit that i feel like i should watch because i'm a cinema guy and i want to gain new perspectives on things right like what read me some of the titles on your list well, one is I don't I don't think I'll watch this. So it's the last thing on this list is the Gandhi movie. It's just one of those where it's like, I feel like one day I got to watch it. So it's on the list. Yeah, I know what you mean. But it's so fucking long and it's Gandhi. And it's like, I, I'll watch it one day. Not, yeah. not, not today. I have like, I have Beauty and the Beast from 1946. Like the original black and white Beauty and the Beast. And oh, I was like, I need to see I need to see that, but I'm also like, I don't need to see that anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right, give me another one. Um, Escape from New York. Oh, dude, yeah, I want to watch that too. That's going on my list. Never saw that. Uh, I got a couple Donnie Yen movies, Flashpoint, Kill Zone. Let's um, see. All right, here we go. What this is... I got a couple in here that will make you laugh or make you go, ah, obviously Danger Boys, Punks in Osaka. Mm. I have um, Life is a House. Life is a House? <laughs> is that a Disney movie? No, 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 no. You know this movie. Life is a House. I, we, we, me and you, oh, sharing, sharing right, a video right, of Brad right. Pitt. Of Brad Pitt, where Brad Pitt talks about the only movie that made him cry, and it was a movie with Kevin Klein and drumroll, Hayden Christensen, and he's like, it made him cry, and I was like, I got to see that fucking movie. Yes, I <laughs> so that's on my list. That. Holy you, shit! You gonna put it on your list? Yeah, now I am. Yeah, hell yeah. Forty nine. Here we go. Uh, the French Connection, because I kind of went down a little Roy Schneider uh, rabbit hole, and um, it's interesting. What? Going down a Roy Schneider rabbit hole. Well, I mean, you know how big a fan of Jaws I am. Yeah, I know. Is it Scheider? It's Scheider. Yeah, not Schneider. Schneider's Rob. Roy Rob Schneider. Schneider is a stapler. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, but Roy Scheider is a great actor. Yeah, and, he is. And I was, it's, just, and I was, it's just of all, it's just one of those names where it, it, it's not one of those where someone says, "I'm going down a Roy Scheider rabbit hole." Well, okay, but here's why I was going down that rabbit, or I wanted to go down that rabbit hole. What else have you seen him in besides Jaws? I'm about to find out in a sec. Nothing. Right? Interest. I could have sworn I saw him in something else. That's what I mean. I never saw him. I saw him in Jaws and Jaws 2. But here's the thing. Roy, Schne- Roy Scheider deserves more respect than just me seeing one of his movies. Because he's a fantastic fucking actor. And I loved him in Jaws. Like, he really made that movie what it was for me. I've even seen more Richard Dreyfus films than I've seen Roy Scheider films. So that's kind of why I went down that, like... I've seen more Kevin James films than I have yeah. Roy Scheider films. But that's why at least I want to see... Because French Connection is very famous. It's also noir. It's always, like, apparently really good. But it's also, like, another movie with Roy. So at least then I could say I've seen two of them. I'm almost positive I've seen Roy Scheider in one other thing, but I just can't remember what it was. Maybe I've seen him in a show. I'm like looking at the to-do movie, like his profile, and I, I've seen none of these except Jaws. Then there get then we get some really weird ones. I want to see Uncle Boom May, who can't, uh, who can recall his past lives. Look at the fucking look at the picture on that one. What the fuck is that? It's something I heard on Cinefix. They talk about how great it is. Suffering from acute kidney fail failure. Boone May has chosen to spend his final days surrounded by his loved ones in the court countryside. Surprisingly, the ghost of his deceased wife appears to care for him, and his long-lost son returns home uh, in a non-human form. Contemplating the reasons for his illness, Boone May, or sorry, Boone May, treks through the jungle with his family on a mysterious hilltop cave, the birthplace of his first life. Interesting. Sounds weird, right? Yeah. So Another that's one on my my list is CB4. It's a hip hop mockumentary from the 90s starring Chris Rock. Did you ever watch that one with Casey Affleck and Joaquin Phoenix? No. Why not? I didn't. I just I honestly didn't even when it was during that whole Joaquin Phoenix weird interview phase, I didn't even know that that thing was like real. Yeah, dude. Um, maybe we should reel this podcast in a little bit more, but I will say that this app is fantastic and I wish they would sponsor us because it's so much fun to create these lists and like yeah. put lists together. What are some of your category lists and where did you put Paris, Texas? Uh, it's not on any of my lists because oh, really? my list, I, I gotta, I gotta delete some of these because they're kind of stupid now. I just didn't, I was, so actually I was going through director phases but like small ones because I wanted to watch like everything by these people. Uh-huh. So I had a list for that so I can keep track of them. But now that I've watched them all, I want to d- delete them so I can, you know, make better ones. But I have my, why did I watch these? Which is all the shit movies I've watched. I have 191 right now. 191 shit films. Yeah. Um, I got a list of Tarantino films, Christopher Nolan films and Taika Waititi films. And then the infamous dilettante's lore film. Yeah, we were talking about that. Should do a podcast on the lore films. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, you should change them to be more applicable to all the films you're watching. Because I had like months. I was doing like, here's all the movies from November. Here's all the movies from December. But that's like, you can't keep up with that. 
Yeah. Because you need to pay for it then. You only get what five lists for free. Yep. So yeah. I have I think I told you these. I have the category. I have the why I love movies. Hmm. I have tell no one, but oh yeah. Like tell the movies that like the guilty pleasures. The ones like I'll I'll read you a couple in there and I'm quite embarrassed to put these out there. But like for one of those is like I saw that new Sandra Bullock movie, The Lost City, with her and mm-hmm. Channing Tatum, and I was like, okay, I kind of enjoyed it. Like I don't want to advertise that that's my type of film, but I kind of liked it. Yeah. You know? Um so then that's I have how I feel, that's how I feel about um 90s and 2000s like teen comedies yeah like, like rom-coms i love yeah. those films yeah dude like i mean i'm a huge fan of what's uh all those old ryan reynolds ones and shit or like honestly like van wilder on... yeah van wilder but no the other just one friends just friends just that friends was so good yeah dude i love it and waiting's then, also underrated in my opinion the i mean dude put on anything with early matthew mcconaughey and i'll freak for it <laughs> how to lose a guy in 10 days uh Failure to launch with him and Sarah Jessica Parker is fucking awesome. Such a good movie. But so then I have the pretty, pretty, pretty good, <laughs> which is like the second uh, best category you could get into. So that's my largest one with 23 films. And then the why, why, why's like the why would why would anyone do this? Why would yeah. anyone make this movie? So right now in there is old. From oh my, you watched that. Yeah, it was terrible. Jesus, dude, why would you? I knew that was going to be bad. I had to see it. Uh, Glenn or Glenda's in there. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. Raging Fire's in there. Um, Damn, I don't go that harsh on that. Yeah, one. no, no, that that one. Like, I'm pretty. I mean, I only get five lists. I'm pretty like intense. Bare, nobody gets into the why I love movies. Oh, category. so everything you've seen goes on one of these lists. Yeah, that's the whole. That's point. how you do it. Okay. Yeah. So I'm critical as fuck. If they don't fit any of them, then maybe I'll leave them out. But otherwise, I try to. I try to. So, Men was in here. I fucking hated that movie. Um, oh, oh, did oh, you watch? Did you watch it? Oh. What's in the trailer? The oh, oh, but no, I haven't watched it. When when everyone I know who's seen it tells me not to watch it, I I tend to take people's word. You should go watch it tonight please and then call me as no, soon as you I got to pay money to watch I don't want to do that you'll find it for if free I, if I know it's going to be bad I'm not going to do that uh the gray man is in here oh that one yeah, yeah that didn't look good that did not look good either it wasn't what what's been pretty pretty good bullet train wings of desires and pretty pretty good um yeah pretty much like everything goes in pretty pretty good barely anything goes in the why I love movies why I love movies is silence of the lambs Mm, another round another round Mm -hmm. manchester by the sea the northman once upon a time in america dilettantes Uh, (laughs) (laughs) that should have his own list just the best movie of all time (laughs) and then all the lord of the rings so far are in this this list of films but like nothing i need to to make a brian's bangers list yeah all my top films like why I love movies is the type of like, okay. So another one that I can put in there right now, cause this is one that I won't watch. I did watch recently and didn't add was uh, the departed. Like mm. it's one of those things where if it's in that, that category, it's a movie that gives me chills just because it's a movie, like not even the story, not the directing, not the acting. It's just the insanity that that was pulled off. 
and pulled off so well and executed so well gives me literal goosebumps when I think about that movie. Like every time I watch Silence of the Lambs, every single time I watch it, the ending of that movie just gives me chills when yeah, he dude. like when he walks off into the distance and just like after Dr. Chilton, every fucking time my whole body just tingles with that. And that's like that that thing I'm chasing. Every movie I watch, I'm trying to chase that feeling, you know? Yeah. And it's so rare that a movie actually does that. There's so many movies I like, but they just don't do that, you know? Yeah, agreed. For the, sure. Those ones. I like, got to take some time then and put that list together for myself. What would you say is your movie that, the, did this movie do that for you? You said it's one of your all-time favorites. Did you feel that sort of goosebumpy, like, oh my God, what a movie? Yeah. Um, I watched the last 45 minutes the, the next day and I was just like, I was watching it, uh, just in the afternoon, just trying to like, you know, get it done. Cause I wanted it to be fresh in my mind. And I was doing other things too. while I was still on, but like once he, once he sits down and like is on the phone with Jane, like from that point to the very end, like I couldn't, I couldn't look away. Like I was just glued to it and like just that whole outcome and I, I mean again that's how i felt watching the whole thing in general but like yeah that that was one just like with florida project where like a fairly simple sense of storytelling there's not a lot of flair to it it's just a really nice like artsy like character character study film did a great job at storytelling to the point where like you know nothing crazy is going on for the most part but i'm still that interested and in wanting to know what happens and like not wanting to look away and then a lot like i said there's a lot of movies that are like that that i just tune out of or i think they're like okay or like they're pretty good and two going back to my note from way back when i remember two movies that i think are like that that i liked them but i did i don't know if i would i don't have plans to watch them again anytime soon just because like i thought they were good but you know not that crazy about them was this will piss simon off badlands oh i just literally put that on my list because i was thinking will badlands remind me of paris texas it definitely reminded me of it it did is it not that good it is good it's just uh yeah i just i wasn't that into it compared to like this one but i did like it like it's a good movie it's just you know i watched it i liked it that was kind of it whatever and then Drugstore Cowboy is another one. Which one's that? Who's in that? Uh, Matt Dillon. And uh, what's her name? I don't think uh, so. She's in... Um, what the fuck's her name? Uh, oh, Heather Graham's in it. And Kelly Lynch, if you know who that is. But it's about um, just like dope fiends pharmacy robbing dope fiends and it's a good movie it's like a good concept and all that um and it's cool like the way it's filmed is like cool but yeah it was fine hmm, maybe i gotta watch that i don't i think i've heard of it but i never watched it i'm not a huge matt Dillon fan this is probably the best thing i've seen him in okay where would you put by the way because i just thought about this when we were talking about the movies that did that where if if you had to would you put the hunt I mean, in terms of the emotion that I got watching it, no movie has done what this movie did to me. 
Mm-hmm. And for that alone, I feel like I'd have to put it in like the banger list. I feel like you're totally right. I just feel like it's, is it weird to have two films from the same director in the banger list? Or is that just a testament to the director? No, it's a testament to the director. You can have like what you're only going to put one Coen brothers movie. I don't know if there's any Coen brothers movie that's ever done that to me. No country for old men did that for me. I never, I've never felt so anxious watching a villain on screen. That's very true. That's very, very true. Like I want, I was watching it in like my cousin's basement and my heart was pounding anytime Shakur was on screen. I feel like Coen brothers are the type of directors that I can recognize and see the genius, but their flavor of filmmaking is not necessarily always what I like. I'm always Mm. down to watch it. I'm always interested to watch it because I can respect the game and I respect how talented they are, but just their, their storytelling technique is not, completely aligned with how i like my movies like it's there are dudes that's true that, i know, view them very hit or miss it's kind of actually how i view jordan peele as well i really i completely respect the art form like the guy's so talented but it's always that the film is a little bit off from what i enjoy from a movie but that doesn't mean that i don't recognize it as a great movie this mm-hmm. is kind of also like this is with a lot of directors but that just show, goes to show that there's a lot of directors out there that you know they touch close to what you want to see, but they're not always nailing it. Like Vim Vendors is also somewhat like that. I really loved Wings of Desire, but it was the same feeling, recognizing the genius without actually being touched by it, let's say. There's a yeah. difference between being touched by the movie and being and and just recognizing the beauty of it. Thomas Vinterberg with with The Hunt and Another Round like touched me. Like yeah, completely yeah. T- like there's yeah, I would put both those in that list. Yeah, easily. that's but kind yeah, of because if you because if you have a favorite filmmaker, there's no reason why you can't put more than one of their films. And that's totally like fair. They, they're your favorite for a reason. That's totally fair. Totally fair. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like that's definitely a good way to describe this film. Parasexus was I could recognize the beauty and the genius of it. It just wasn't necessarily the film for me. Kind of like what we're going off of the whole time. Mm-hmm. But that's you, fair. If you're that, a big that's, film that, that was me with Wings of Desire, although I liked I liked its message at the end a lot. I resonated yeah. with it. Yeah, the message actually got, came close to touching me more and giving me that sort of emotional response of like, yeah, you know what? It is it is really beautiful to be a human. But I yeah, can, well, see, and that's um, just so we can actually talk about you know the reason why we're here for a yeah, bit sorry. more. Um, that's really that's what I really appreciated about it by the end of the day because there's so many times I always feel these art house movies are like these ones that do like a deep examination of the human condition or life. There's always some sort of tragedy involved or like there's um, a negative concept to it. That's supposed to make you either think deeply about like a fault that we have as society or like, or like the bad that happens supposed to make you think in a more highly about like you and your surroundings. And this one was like one of just like um, it was just such a positive feeling about what it is to be human and what it is to enjoy life that I just really respected the shit out of that. Because yeah, I just, you're right. I, a lot of times like it's just, it's negative, it's negative or like it's supposed to be deep and reflective. And this one was just very simple. Just, you know, life's beautiful. Like, you're right. Appreciate the little things. It's so crazy that you're like, it's the tendency of all artists to show the evils of humanity because it's much more interesting. Even The Hunt shows the evil of humanity. 
mm-hmm. and like in a in a way where you still have empathy for like somebody right it's not that you're condemning all humans and not making any of them sympathetic because that just wouldn't be possible to have a good story but it's very rare that a, an artistic piece takes on an optimistic look always it's always like i don't know man these arts movies are always like a happy sad sort of ending at best but most of the time sad you're yeah. totally right about wings of desire it was like kind of the reverse of that like it was better to be human than to be angelic and it reminded me it's weird pull it reminded me of like the good place that's probably the only other thing that mm. i can think of that's like a optimistic outlook on humanity like it yeah, is for sure it is good to be human right yeah. type of and i i don't know you're right that kind of that may be why it touched me more like that film because it's such an interesting outlook even paris texas is so happy sad yeah you know? for sure um it's strange though man so like going off this idea of like can recognize the genius i still do feel like paris texas is so much more like this film that brian and i are producing right now like the the style and the, the vibe of it much more than wings of desire so I'm really looking forward to being part of this project because I, if it can look half as good as Paris, Texas, I think it will be a beautiful movie. Um, Absolutely. But it's yeah, interesting. I'm, that- I'm, I am surprised this, the cinematography going, just going back to that real quick. Like the, this movie, you could have told me it was made in the nineties. You could have told me it was made in like the very early two thousands. And I'd believe you. Yeah. So it was easily. that sharp. Yeah. It was, it, it's, interesting how even though this movie didn't really touch me it just made me so excited for making movies like what we were talking about in a different way like i want to be a part of movies that are concerned with just being beautiful artistic pieces not just eye candy like i kind of want to do both you know like i want to just enjoy like enjoy them both there is great art movies and there are great blockbuster movies and there's also shit ones of both so I don't know. Yeah, that was kind of nice. Like it did got it did get me very excited for just being a part of projects like this. I think right now, Karen Twins, we've been busy with like a pretty eye candy, poppy sort of project, which is great for us. And I think will be very great and everybody should watch it. Uh, play it by ear. We should start promoting it more. Play it by ear. Um, and it has some deeper tones. There's it's not just, you know, all surface level. It's definitely subtextual, but it's not an art house piece and like this other project which i don't want to name yet is going to be that and i'm going to be so proud to be a part of that because that was kind of the concept behind dilettantes i just knew that we would never be able to do that like our first film out of college was never going to be a beautiful artistic work you know like and that's why i was named dilettantes you know that's exactly why i was named dilettantes because we could never pull that off (laughs) trying to be meta trying to be meta it's but like I, a, it's like a disclaimer, like just just so you know before you watch, just we're just dilettantes, right? <laughs> just take it easy, dude. It's so sad that we like. Do you ever wish? I'm sure you don't, because I don't actually wish this either, but I do sometimes. I wish okay. that we had more hours in the day, or I wish we had more of us, or you know, we were just able to do more because this sort of two piece Vim vendors like week that we've just had was very enjoyable. I'm glad we got to watch Vin, another Vin Vendors movie. I'm glad we got to explore more of his films and flesh out more of his style because I can easily see the similar style in the films. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wish 
that we just did a whole season of like one artist. You know, I almost wish we could go now and watch like another Vim Vendors film, like Buena Vista you know, Social Club, or like just like fully like let's watch his filmography start to end type of shit. And then it makes me think like, well, no, I actually wish we just did more than one podcast, like a podcast about our tours, a podcast about movie review, a podcast about this. And then I'm like, wait, oh we'll just God. never, yeah. we'll never have the, we'll never have the time. I expect, how am I supposed to finish editing play it by ear if we got to do all that? Well, that's what I'm saying. So I'm, what I was trying to say was, do you ever wish there's more hours in the day or just more of us? So we would be able to do more of these things. Yeah. At least I have more time to watch movies. Like the only yeah. things I've been able to watch is this stuff, which is fine. Gives me a good excuse to like break away from my life and you know my daily life and sit down and enjoy a movie. Well, your next, the next film is your choice. So whatever you want to make it, if you want to watch something more chilled, then I'm totally down for it. But um, yeah, I think I want to watch ASMR the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting. What are we gonna do for our next episode? Are we gonna try to schedule up that uh that that band episode? Uh, I think we're at, we're at that point, aren't we? And when when we want to do it, so yeah, yeah, I let's think that. We, right. Let's say we do that. Um, yeah, I think that the next one. So then, I guess we can mention what it will be. Yes, unless they say no. No, I already sent them <laughs> the. I already sent them the early cut of the trailer, and and Tom was very happy with it. For our next episode, whenever that will be dropping, hopefully in the next two weeks, three weeks from whatever date this is coming out <laughs> when, when is this one gonna air Brian? this one's probably gonna air in what three days yeah or a yeah. week depending on if i'm able to do make it in time but i think i think it'll be wednesday all right so this one's gonna air on the 24th so hopefully a week or two weeks after that our next episode will be featuring soft girls and boys club tom richards and ben webster we're actually going to be talking about their album which i think how do you pronounce it chiefy hymns yeah yeah got that on vinyl yeah. i got that on vinyl actually and i've been playing it like crazy dude been yeah, bumped jealous. into it dude it's i want to get it on vinyl you can you can still get it on vinyl on the sure. episode just talk to tom about it oh I, yeah i feel like i looked at their store a while ago and nothing came up for it um actually this is really upsetting but i have two of them i have uh i have two but the other one eric bought like he donated up oh, sorry my dog's going off um eric jesus loud dog uh eric bought it but uh he doesn't have a record player so i asked him do you want it and he said yeah and i i should have just not asked him because he was owed it two years ago and i would have just given it to you unfortunately fuck? i'm sorry because i know you just got a record player i do um but yeah, we're going to be talking about their album, Jeefy Hymns, which is actually going to be featured in our TV show, Play It By Ear. They are be fastly becoming the sound of the series, I would say. They they really For just... Sure. Yeah. Their songs are fucking awesome. So yeah, catch the next episode. You can catch their music in our trailer and our upcoming TV show. And in the meantime, watch Vim Vendors. Watch Vim Vendors. Watch Vim Vendors.